Welcome to Between Lewis and Lovecraft. I'm Hannah. And I'm Tyler. We're here to learn more about the lives of authors that have inspired us, a journey into the stories they not only created, but also lived. So join us as we dive deep into the worlds that live just out of reach. Welcome back to Santa After Dark. That's what you meant by saucy. Yeah, I said saucy. I'm going to stick with it. Where we get to talk to all the people that earned coal this year. (laughs) People who decided to be a little more naughty than nice, if you know what I'm saying. I'm just going to plead the fifth. I don't know what you're saying. There's a reason I brought you on the episode, ah, Hannah. Wait, am I getting coal? Is that what's in the bag yeah, over there? Yeah, it's a bunch of coal. I figured it could keep you warm, you know, <laughs> in case Oregon turns into the next Texas. Okay, well, that was very thoughtful of you then. My TikTok has been completely, um, like, taken over by, now that it's winter, by, like, surviving the winter videos. Well, in- what kind of survive like... Um, third world country surviving the winter or like first world surviving the winter? Uh, um, like, uh, is there a second world thing? Is can we Nobody find a ever middle? talks about the second Nobody world. Nobody ever talks about the second world. Um, it's like, so basically like what happened in Texas and people lost Last power. Year. Yeah. And it was cold and people were like close to death and stuff. So uh, like this one guy spends his whole TikTok and he, like the one that got me interested is he like takes some bricks and he stacks them up like three high and two two sets of three. Um, and then he takes a big ceramic pot that you use for um, for trees and stuff. And oh, like f- a planter type. Yeah. Pot. Yeah. Okay. Like the big orange ceramic type. Mm-hmm. And he flips it upside down. So it's, you know, it's, you know, the bowl is facing down. And then he just lights a, a couple of candles underneath, and the the heat gets trapped in the ceramic, but then it radiates out, and so it doesn't. It's not just like this one little. You can warm up an entire room with a couple of little candles. Yeah, that's nice, but candles are freaking expensive. I just bought a candle for my cousin's Christmas present, and it was twenty five freaking bucks, and that was the cheapest one they had at the store. But how long can you? You can burn a candle for like a hundred hours, right? Oh, I don't know what the hour count is on yeah, it. Yeah, I don't know either. I'm not a candle I guy, mean, you but... can burn a candle for at least one or two nights. Welcome back, <laughs> listeners, to Between Lewis and Lovecraft, the survival and candle <laughs> podcast that you've been waiting for. We talk about only candles and only survival tips with said candles. Buckle up. It's a big, it's a big pie to chew on. <laughs> I think we just found your new podcast yeah, idea. Actually. It's called Yankee Doodle Survival. <laughs> I'm going to start a candle line based on the survival Yankee Doodle tips. Survival? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Each candle, when you, it's like a yogurt thing where when you <laughs> pop open the top, it has a little survival tip. Use this candle for... <laughs> Perfect. Oh, this is how I make my first million. Yeah. And I'm going to just kind yes. of ride You'll the coattails. You'll get 10%. Yes. <laughs> Uh, welcome back, everybody, to Between Lewis and Lovecraft. I'm Tyler. And I'm Hannah. We haven't, like, done that. For a while. In this entire year. I really? feel like I feel like 
we just kind of gave up because the intro does it for us. So the intro like, does do it for us. And I sound way more excited than the intro. <laughs> I'm Tyler. You used your radio voice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is not your radio voice, I guess. It can be. I can go back to Radio Santa if oh, you want me to. Oh, God, nobody needs Radio Santa right now. <laughs> Have you been a little ah! ho, ho, ho? <laughs> Oh my gosh, your kid is in for a treat. Yeah, he has no chance. It's going to be awful and awesome. They both start with the same two letters. Ah. Ah. We should probably try to yeah, get the show on the Yeah, we should talk about what we're supposed to be talking about. Yeah, yeah. so uh, th- this episode's a little twofer because we uh, didn't record the episode we were supposed to two weeks ago. Yeah, I don't know if you guys noticed, but we've been gone for like we've a whole gone. month. Yeah. Tyler and I have let our lives completely collapse. Yeah, this break for me at least is very much needed. Um not that not that the show is a drain on me in any way, but like there's just so much happening that like I don't know, it's it's I I've got so many things that I'm trying to get going and get started and 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 now I'm like a journeyman electrician. I have to actually take my job seriously. <laughs> so um, he was phoning it in the rest of the time. Uh, Tyler's yeah, boss. they didn't pay me enough to take my job seriously. <laughs> now they're kind of paying me enough to where I can at least complain about, hey, I'm taking my job seriously, pay me more money. And then I'll stop complaining. And then I'll stop complaining. Nobody ever stops but complaining. I'll never stop complaining. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, so life is getting getting in the way. And I think that this, this time that I'm going to take, just with the kid coming and everything, is going to be... A nice refresher, and I can come back to it. What's the right word? Revitalized, re- revigored, rejuvenated, rejuvenated. Yes, lots of re's. Lots of re's. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna feel youth, my youthful cheeriness come back. I'm gonna mm. get euthanized. Oh God. <laughs> 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 well, it looks like I'll be holding down the fort solo from yeah. now on. Tyler's been euthanized. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. He did not know what that word meant. <laughs> he made a terrible mistake. How about you? How have things been for you for the last month? Euthanize oh, wow. me. That's a lot of hand gestures. <laughs> so many bad No, about the same. About this. I mean, um, I saw our our scheduled date come for recording the last episode. <clears throat> yeah. And then I was like, eh, I could do it, but I'm just going to wait and see if Tyler reaches yeah, out. Yeah, if Tyler says something, then I'll do and it. And then like a week later, you were like, so we never recorded that thing. And I yeah. was like, yep. So that's about how my <laughs> December has been going. No, it's it's totally fair because I, I, I saw it as well. And I was just like, oh, I, I'll text her about this later. And then a week went by and I was like, home alone face. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yep so that's yeah that's how our year has been going yeah um so instead we're going to combine our previous episode that we were supposed to record about mr clement clark moore mm-hmm. with our annual gift exchange episode so yeah. uh first part of this episode oh, is going to be annual oh i got you a bad gift Oh, shit. Tyler, you are making this episode so inappropriate. It's the end of the year. I'm about to go on on podcast vacation. You just cut two letters out of the annual gift exchange that were very important. Oh, man. Okay. Okay, so the first part of this episode is going to be rated PG, and the second part is going to be X. It's going to get real weird. So, Grandma, stop listening about 
45 minutes in. (laughs) (laughs) But for now, let's talk about a children's classic. A children's classic. So if the name Clement Clark Moore doesn't mean anything to you, which it probably doesn't. Not off the top of the words. The words, twas the night before Christmas, probably do ring a bell. That one does sound familiar. That does sound familiar. So we're going to recite the whole whole poem later on, the children's classic. Uh, But for now, we're going to talk about the dude who wrote it. Yeah. And when she says when she says whole poem, it's okay. It's not. I don't know if you guys know it, but it's it's not very long. It's not very long. Like they have a whole book, and I've always been like, but it's like two words per page. Yeah, so. there's a lot of illustrations, <laughs> heavy it's emphasis, mostly pictures, pictures. Yeah, it's it's for the children, Tyler. But the children love the books. <laughs> oh my god, I haven't watched Elf yet this <laughs> you year. You haven't? No, it's a yearly classic in yeah. my family, so yeah, I gotta get to that. <laughs> I watched it with my with my dad, and he made his um his peppermint milkshakes Ooh. that he normally makes, and we we watched Elf, and we all recited Elf together. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it goes with those like yearly movies. Yeah, everybody knows all the words. Yep. All right, so. Buckle up, kiddos. Here we go. Clement Clark Moore was born July 15th, 1779 in New York City. So 1779 was a really long freaking time ago. It was during (laughs) the American Revolution. It was. It was, uh, which would not end until Moore was four years old. So he was a revolutionary child. His parents were Reverend Benjamin Moore and Charity Clark Moore. So Charity came from a very wealthy family. Her father was an English officer who stayed in the colony at the time after fighting in the French and Indian War. He owned a huge estate that he named Chelsea in Manhattan. Uh, Back then, the city wasn't wall-to-wall buildings like it is now, so this was a big farm located between what's now 21st and 24th streets from the Hudson River to 8th Avenue. So everything that's New York City right now was like farmland, Basically looked like Canby back then, probably. Yeah. Uh, I've played Assassin's Creed 3. I know what <laughs> New York looked like back then. I like that this is where our young men are learning <laughs> about history. You know, whatever it takes. So uh, Charity's dad passed this estate down to his daughter and her husband, and they added land onto it. And that's also where Clement was born. Uh, And Benjamin Moore is a pretty prominent figure in the history of Columbia University. He served as acting president of what was then called King's College in 1775 and 76 before Clement was born. Um, And then he served as president for another nine years in the early 1800s when Columbia was renamed Columbia College. So now it's Columbia University, the super hoity-toity, very fancy school that I would not have gotten into. That's very impressive. Yeah. What a smart dude. He's very smart. He became the Sorcerer Supreme. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Is that anything like Vermin Supreme? I don't know what that is. He was the uh, political candidate who wore a boot on his head and talked about the... No, the rent's too damn high, dude. Might have been a different dude. <laughs> but he's a weird dude who you runs the president You and I are fans of completely different things. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. We're, we're a well-balanced friendship. So after the Revolutionary War, um, Benjamin Moore also headed the Episcopal Diocese of New York when it became independent from the Church of England. Mm. Uh, In 1801, the same year he was elected president of Columbia, he became the ninth bishop of the Episcopal Church of the United States of America. For context, we're now at approximately 1,140 bishops. Wow. So he was like in the top 10, the the inaugural 10. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so Clement was an only child and he was tutored at home by his father and went on to attend Columbia College where according to, no. I know, right? It's like he had an inn or something yeah. or like maybe it was easier to get into Columbia back then. That and obviously God helped him. God helped him a lot. Uh, according to his biographer, Samuel White Patterson, he graduated in 1798 at the head of his class as his father had 30 years earlier. Of what course. A, what a great family legacy. Yeah. Could you imagine if he hadn't done that, though? Like, I don't think it would have been mentioned in the. It probably would. By the biography. I think it would have. Like, passive aggressively, his father <laughs> would have been like, hey, can you mention that he didn't get top of the class? He like was his third father in the class. Yeah. Hey, that's great and all, but his father was first. And his father was president. Of, and president. Yeah. So. Uh, that's a, just put that, just write that down, Mr. What was his name? White? Cl- which oh Samuel White Patterson Patterson yeah <laughs> he's got three names he's really important Ooh, he's probably a murderer then wait I also go by three names professionally you do and you've murdered a lot of people in the stories that I've read oh okay just don't check my basement John please. Wilkes Booth Hannah Ray Lambert Hannah Ray Lambert what's the other one what's the guy that killed John F Kennedy oh oh Lee Harvey Oswald Lee Harvey Oswald really suspicious yeah okay moving on (laughs) Um, uh he he got some further studies he uh earned his master's also from columbia in 1801 um and then moving on to his midlife his his first known published work was actually an attack on thomas jefferson former president pretty ballsy move uh published going after jefferson yeah so the thing that surprised me about clement was he uh you know, his most famous work is this kind of jolly children's tale. Yeah. That was not really what he spent his it's life not doing. His jam. Yeah. So his first uh, published work was uh, in 1804. And for the background on this, three years previously, Jefferson had published a collection of his essays. Um, just, to, or, just to make sure I get the math right, Clement was born in 79, you said? 1779? Yeah, 1779. Okay, so, so he's, he's like He's 25. like in his twenties when yeah. he publishes his first Thomas thing. Jefferson is like old at this yeah, point, Yeah, he's right? like past president. Yeah. You know, living in at Monticello or whatever that his estate's called. That would be like called. you going after, well, I was going to say Trump, but like that wouldn't, that's normal. Most 20 Now in the 21st century. Trump, so so. Uh, uh, it was probably a big deal back then. Yeah. Um, so in uh, 1801, the former president, Jefferson, had um, reprinted a collection of his essays in New York. Because I guess back then, like, even if you published something in Virginia, maybe it wasn't published in New York at the same time. So really? basically what I saw that it was that it was reprinted in New York uh, and it was titled Notes on the State of Virginia. Uh, the collection included the president's mm, thoughts on everything. Sorry, I'm so sorry. I'm I'm. So sorry, but I need you to say that with a southern accent because it's very important to me. I can't do a southern accent. Come on. No, it's just say the title of his book with a with you do the it. accent of someone who is from Virginia. It was titled What what's the title? I can't remember. Notes on the State of Virginia. Notes on the State <laughs> of Virginia. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> so Jefferson's collection included thoughts on everything from constitutional law to immigration to agriculture and Native American issues. Uh, it had drawn a lot of criticism, apparently, including from Moore, 
who wrote an anonymous pamphlet titled Observations Upon Certain Passages in Mr. Jefferson's Notes on Virginia, which appear to have a tendency to subvert religion and establish a false prophecy. That was the whole that title? That was the whole title. Good Lord, sir. <laughs> did you just leave anything for the actual essay? Apparently he did, because it was a very long essay detailing like bullet point style everything that he took issue with, which included... Um, Jefferson's use of geological evidence to question the biblical age of the earth. Mm. Uh, Jefferson's theories about the relationship between humans and apes. Okay. Um, so basically, like a lot. This of, is around the time Darwin. No, this, this would was be pre, too early. Pre-Darwin. Early so Darwin. yeah, it's uh, pre-evolutionary like theory. <clears throat> but um, but Jefferson is on that trip. Jefferson is. He's yeah. all like, hey, look at those monkeys. They kind look like yeah. us. He's like, look at those mountains. They like look a little too fresh to be. Mm, However, how old was- This rock is definitely older than 6,000 oh, no, yeah, years it's, old. It's older than the Bible because how old- Six it, to 7,000 years old. Okay, yeah. So biblical. this this rock here is much older than the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. So Jefferson was ahead of his time. Uh, Moore was obviously very religious. Yeah, obviously. Uh, <laughs> so- How dare you say that, sir? Uh, I know. Uh, and then, ironically, he took a lot of issue with uh, Jefferson's purported racism. Uh, and I'll get to why it's ironic later, but Jefferson, in his pamphlet, had talked some smack about black people in his uh, writings, and Moore responded by mocking him and later making vague allusions to Jefferson's rumored affair with Sally Hemings, who was the slave Classic. that he had kids with. Yeah. Um, but Moore's family also owned slaves, which he didn't mention, and even when Moore inherited them years later, he didn't emancipate them. So he's like making this big stink about Jefferson being racist, but like he's not that but much you got better. Slaves, dude. Yeah, and that was later. That was post pamphlet, but still. And some of Jefferson's slaves were actually freed before Moore's because the former president, um, like he did that thing that a lot of the former presidents did, where he emancipated them upon his death. Uh-huh. Uh, but more slaves weren't set free until 1827, a year after Jefferson died, when the state of New York forced him to, because it was law. Yeah. So. Yeah. Moore's a little bit of a hypocrite. How dare they make me get rid of my <laughs> slaves? Black people are as equal as whites, so therefore I should have them in my house, house, my estate, <laughs> for me to do whatever I want to with them. This and is getting a little too American Horror Story for me. Is it? I've never watched American Horror Story. Is there, that a whole the, thing? There was a season with some some racist shit going on. Classic. It was very disturbing. And if there if you got the word American in it, there's gonna be a little racism to come <laughs> along with it. So, this anti-Jefferson pamphlet never became widely appreciated. Uh, shockingly, I don't know. Nobody took the writings of like a 26-year-old that seriously. A 26-year-old hypocrite isn't taken seriously? What? I know. I wish it was still that way today. <clears throat> Moving on. <laughs> so Mr. Moore carried on with his life um, and he produced more shockingly boring works, uh, including a compendious lexicon of the Hebrew language in 1809. Ooh. He was a Hebrew scholar. Um, and a translation from the French of a complete treatise on merinos and other sheep in 1811. So I think this is a book what? about types of sheep. What? That but sounds... a, a French translate or a translation from the French version. So he he spoke a lot of languages. So it's not it's not necessarily about the sheep. It's more about the language and the translation of that. For he for translated him. a French yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, so kind of like he translated a French thing. 
Hannah, I think that's going to be a meme that we're going to make. <laughs> I'm going to have you like as a picture. And it's just going to say, he translated a French thing. <laughs> you know what? Devani. Get in the comments. <laughs> I am of the people, Tyler. I don't write, you know, pamphlet titles that are a paragraph long. Right. He translated a French <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah, he translated a French thing, okay? <laughs> this is not, like, super exciting work here. Uh, throughout his life, he also wrote poetry, um, which was published in art magazines. Uh, so, you know, I take it. I, I assume some of those were more interesting than his treaties on merinos and Father, other shit. when shall you die? <laughs> So inherited, I shall get your black guy. Hey, it rhymes. That was a great poem. That was like almost a haiku. <laughs> we'll have to count the syllables <laughs> later. Um, so then in 1813, Clement Moore married. Um, and who do you think, do you think he married someone like <clears throat> age appropriate, Tyler? I'm going to go with a 13 year old. Oh, not quite that bad. Oh. Uh, he married 19-year-old Catherine okay. Elizabeth okay. Taylor. He was 34, so I say yuck, but you know, 1800s. 34 and 19? Not that weird for back then. Yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm trying to think if if one of my friends my age showed up and was like, hey, <laughs> here's my 19-year-old girlfriend. Uh, Yeah. What's <clears throat> There's a formula, right? Oh, there is a for. I it's don't like remember what it is. It's like half your age plus something. Half your age. I don't. Oh, look I gotta up, look, look it up. up. We gotta look this up for real, because now I want. We gotta know by the standards. Is is it okay that he dated Catherine Elizabeth? Half your age plus seven. Okay, so he's thirty four. He's thirty four. So half his age is uh, seventeen. Oh, okay. So no, <laughs> immediately no, no. She's not twenty. Uh, eight, 24 is what he's allowed to date. Wow. Yeah. I mostly think it's strange that he was sing like not married for that long cuz I like would that not have been frowned upon especially in like a kind of religious family back then? Like I'm sure you're there a was bachelor pressure. at 34. Yeah. I'm sure there was pressure, but it was way more acceptable for an older gentleman to be a bachelor than an older woman. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the whole but even now, I feel that like God created women is to give birth <laughs> to more people. Men have more purposes and reasons to live, so they can live more of a life <laughs> before they enter into marriage. Anna, let me explain <laughs> to you. <laughs> My life is a farce yeah. <laughs> I have no meaning see, when you start to really understand the will of God you can see why women were created which was to give birth as soon as you have your first period but we've gone and screwed it up and said oh no you can't get married till you're 18 those are, that's five years of waste <laughs> Just so everyone knows, I'm being facetious and sarcastic. I do not believe these things. <laughs> Some first-time listeners out there are just like, what, what the, the fuck? <laughs> no, obviously it's stupid, but that was that was the case. Like, I mean, I've watched enough Pride and Prejudice and stuff from Jane Austen. I understand Tyler gets those his rules. history from Assassin's Creed. Assassin's Creed and, and Pride, Pride and Prejudice. And Jane Austen movies cool. that my wife makes me watch while I'm playing Assassin's Creed. 
<laughs> Excellent. Okay. Well, you'll be happy to know that uh, Miss Catherine Elizabeth Taylor fulfilled her life's purpose. She had nine children. Good Lord, sir. Yep. She did a great job. Uh, I don't. Could you imagine being pregnant for like ten years straight? I cannot. You should ask Becca if she could. That's not happening. I can tell you right now, that's not happening. No, I would never have nine children. I think it might be too late for me to even try to, <laughs> to have try nine. and do that. My grandma uh, had ten children. You'd and be I'd, going into your forties with your last one. I would be. Yeah. yeah, my grandma was almost done having her ten children by the time she was my age. So, really? Yeah. Oh my gosh! They I started don't know young back then. I don't know what's. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> ten children. Ten by children. The time she's mid twenties. Well, no, almost done having. I think. The last one was probably in her early 30s. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's still- It sounds like a nightmare. Yeah. Um, Beck and I have specifically had the conversation that we're not having a lot of kids. <laughs> one, I don't think that's- I don't think it's fair to children like to have a bunch of kids. I want to have a relationship with my children, and I I don't think that I could. If I have more than three children, someone's getting I'm in getting total agreement, because uh, my mom is one of 10 children, mm -hmm. and she's not super close with her mom, mm -hmm. but I'm really close with my mom, because right. I feel like you know she had a lot of time to devote to raising me, mm -hmm. and then my sister. And it's like, there's enough love to go around with two of us, but yeah. five, 10? It's, it's a bunch of, it's a lot of children. It's and a lot of kids. Uh, yeah, but this is a whole nother. I mean, we don't really need to get into the tangent yet. I'm still not a dad, so I can't actually have a sermon on it we'll yet. We'll have a father but it'll sermon come. when In you come back. In about six months, I'll be back. Ted, Ted, the Bible guy's going to start talking about some paradise. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I can't wait. See, Hannah, what you need to understand. <laughs> You've already told me how to be a woman. Right. Then you can tell me how to be a father. Be, to be, yeah, I'll explain to Talon what he needs to know about being a father. He, he'll really appreciate that, yeah, I'm sure. I'm going to sit him down over a glass of bourbon and a little cocaine, and it'll be great. Oh, cocaine. Oh, <laughs> all right. I like how you wait until after you have a kid to start doing cocaine. I think well, that's yeah, really the time. I need the, the cocaine to stay up when my child is keeping me up all night, That's so obviously. nice of you to think about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, with, with nine children on the books... Uh, I, I don't think this all happened before 19 or before 1822. He was dead by the 1900s. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he lived for 130 years. <laughs> so in 1822, with however many kids he had at that po point, uh, he wrote a poem for his children and recited it to them on Christmas Eve. It was called A Visit from St. Nicholas. And, and this is the famous Twas the Night Before Christmas poem. Sure. Um, so A Visit from St. Nicholas was published anonymously the next year. He's a big fan of this anonymous publishing thing. Mm, yeah. um, and it became incredibly popular, appearing in newspapers, school books, anthologies, and in single printed editions. Probably wow. not unlike the ones you are familiar with now with lots of illustrations. Oh, yeah. 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 I only look at the pictures. I've never read it before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Poetry. Those children's poems are just so damn hard to read. Yeah. I call my grandma to read it. I don't need to read it. <laughs> So it wasn't until 1837, 15 years after he first wrote it, um, that an anthology of works by New York poets, including some written by Moore, uh, also included a visit from St. Nicholas. But even then, the author was still listed as anonymous. Hmm. So it's in a book of poems with his other poems, and he's still not taking credit for it, which seems kind of strange. Uh, and will lead to some drama down the road. Oh. Um, so it wasn't until 1844, 
Let's see if I can math real quick. That's 22 this. years later. Yeah, he's like 60-something. He's super old. Uh, <laughs> he's super old. <laughs> uh, he published his own collection of poems and included a visit from St. Nicholas. So it was finally acknowledged as being by him. Um, because the poem had been published anonymously and became very popular, other people tried to claim authorship at different points. Mm -hmm. um, Henry Livingston Jr., his great grandson spent many years trying to establish him as the author so this was a poet um he had written various like poems for his children but he had never made any written mention of a visit for from saint nicholas during his lifetime and his friends had never heard of any connection with that poem sure um so there wasn't really a lot of evidence for that. Some historians like go back and forth on this. And I thought it was interesting that I, I read sometime in the early 21st century. So like within the past 20 years, computer aided analysis of the poem uh, indicated that it was more similar to Livingston's poetry than Moore's. Really? I, I don't really know if that means anything. I mean... If you're a good writer, you can sometimes adapt somebody else's voice if you want. Yeah. Or if you're a good writer, sometimes you can go from writing super boring stuff about sheep to yeah. writing a fun children's poem. Yeah. And you could be influenced by other writers. Yeah. I, I so I'm not surprised that Twas the Night Before Christmas does not read similarly to that weird yeah. uh, essay no, about yeah, Jefferson. You're absolutely right. Like, <laughs> of course it reads more like someone who's actually writing good poetry because it's not... Talking about how Jefferson's, Jefferson's racist. a racist <laughs> jerk. Like, yeah. So, I, yeah, I thought that was interesting, but I also, like, put no weight in that computer analysis whatsoever. Yeah, computers are dumb. Computers are dumb. They're coming for your gerbs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I just... I don't know why when you said that, I, I imagine you're at your desk writing one of your articles <laughs> and then a, a, like an, like a picture of a robot shows up and it's just like, hello, Anna. <laughs> I see you're trying to write a letter. Let me help you. I really hate that. <laughs> I hate uh, when the computer tries to like fill in what you're trying yeah, to say, like on no, emails and stuff. It's like, oh, just hit tab twice and we'll no. finish this sentence. I'll do it. <laughs> I'm you. a human being. I thought art was the one thing that humans would be able to like retain for ourselves. Yeah. But the robots want to do that too. Drives me nuts. Yeah. So anyway, that's the deal about Twas the Night Before Christmas. So how long did he live? So uh, we got we got to, to 18... 44 he, he he lived a long fucking time we still got a few more years here oh okay um so going toward the end of his life um when the government of new york city uh was like drawing out the street grid of manhattan the new ninth avenue was projected to go through the middle of chelsea estate uh more spent a lot of time writing stuff in newspapers trying to fight the development of the city uh but eventually he gave in and started to develop his estate uh which earned him a buttload of money yeah uh and he was like dividing it into lots and selling it to wealthy new yorkers uh, and also since he was a very devout man he gave a large portion of it to uh the general theological seminary mm. where he was a professor of oriental and greek literature from 1823 until i think the fact that they call it oriental means that they shouldn't be teaching it <laughs> just saying I think it, that that's an automatic no. It was what the region was called back then All and right. still is in some countries. 
Okay. Americans just uh, aren't a fan of it. Because it, it's that's all right. <laughs> Maybe because there's just such a, I don't know. There's such a, the way that Americans say some words, that like, I I've it's a joke that happens all the time. Like, um, in the office, when um when they're like, and and um Oscar, what do, what would you like to you know where are you? He's oh like, my god, I'm Mexican. He's like, yeah, but what would you what would we call you though like I, we don't want to say that word he's like what's wrong with that word <laughs> yes i think that americans just have this problem of making words sound worse than they are and then we're like oh yeah you, that's a bad word you can't use that one yeah we do that with so and i'm not a hundred percent sure on the history of this particular word other than that it was widely used on maps and stuff <clears throat> but i'm i had that issue come up with one of my stories recently oh really i was writing about a native american veteran and he was recalling a sto- story about when he went to a powwow and so in the story I wrote about the time he went to a powwow and my editor was like you can't use that word and I'm like what do you mean that's what it's called <laughs> he's like it no is. it's offensive and I'm like what are you talking about it's literally called a powwow really he's like just call it a ceremony and I was like really so okay. yeah. yeah Americans we have we've ruined words we have a very fraught relationship with words yeah Anyway, Mr. Moore did not at the time. No, he was fine. Just he was fine. Up and down the street all day long, Doing saying words. words that he should not have been saying. So he was a professor uh, of literature from 1823 until he retired in 1850. So at that point, he's like, he's, um, like, he's like in his 70s. He's 74 years old. Yeah. Uh, no. 50. 71. 71. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Math is really hard, especially when you change centuries. Um, so, yeah. So he also gave land to the diocese for construction of St. Peter's Episcopal Church. So uh, overall, Chelsea is now known as Manhattan's art district. It's like a very, very like trendy, hip neighborhood. So chill, bro. Yeah. Very, very cool in New York City. Um, and Lots of lesbians that he would have been super okay with. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're not fulfilling their uh, godly purpose they of are bearing not. children. Evil sinners. Evil sinners. You're how old? You're 25 and you <sighs> haven't had one kid yet? <sighs> I'm so sorry, Clement Clark Moore. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's a super expensive neighborhood too. In 2019, the median rent for a one bedroom apartment was more than $4,000. Was Clement more than $4,000? Uh, oh my it god that went like you, you, way like, over my you head you were thinking about it for a long time i was like what are you talking about <laughs> well yeah. you your dad jokes are i'm getting there are very i'm working good. on it yeah um so at his retirement he purchased a house in newport rhode island where he died on july 10th 1863 damn he was really old for the 1800s i'm doing math he did 80 86 years old. 80, maybe? 84. Damn it. I did the. Almost. He was five days shy of his uh, 84th birthday. Nice. Yeah. That's uh, Clement Clark Moore. Do you think, because this is not the first time we have talked about somebody at Christmas from the 1800s that we both are not the biggest fan of. I think he's fine. 
He's way better than that other dude. Mr. James. Yeah. Yeah. Get at us in the comments <laughs> about our wokeness against Mr. James. Well, okay. The only reason I I say he's better than Mr. James is because I didn't read like enough of his boring writings to formulate yeah another opinion. Right. Yeah. And Mr. James, I went out and actually bought a book, and I was like, <laughs> "What the hell did I do this for? This is the worst decision I've ever made." <laughs> Right. So, yeah, so but with, this um, is this is the second time we've seen someone who is pious in a way, 1800s, the the 19th century. Um and they're kind of an ass. They're kind of a dick to people. Um and I mean, this guy Clement, he wasn't really he didn't like go out of his way to keep women from being in university um and Not set that back we know education of another like 25 years until his death um but yeah i mean he had he had visceral opinions of people and they were staunch and slightly hypocritical i think that's that honestly sets the wrong tone for me in in my life like it's the hypocrisy that gets yeah, me yeah if someone was to look at me and and my life and then the things that i've written on my facebook posts i guess the the 10 posts on my blog <laughs> maybe um i don't i don't think that they'd find hypocrisy like that they'd probably find if anything they'd find a dumb stupid person who is just like no this guy's opinions are just stupid but like we've it, all had bad facebook opinions yeah, in the past yeah it makes it too easy to put the bad ones out there but i think it's it's it really bothers the shit out of me that the uh, hypocrisy of of like <clears throat> the fact that there are people that use religion to justify things bothers me too right like people would use religion to justify slavery and i'm like what <laughs> how are you how are you how are you reading the same bible as me and you can justify that. Yeah, How didn't it, Jesus or God have a lot of stuff about setting people free? Yeah, that was like his whole thing. That was a big deal. And um, yeah, so it's just and and so yeah, it just it, it bothers me. There's and I think it bothers me more than you just because it's like yeah, this is a guy that says he's a Christian and I'm a Christian and I'm like. I don't like who you are. Whereas I'm like over here like, yes, I'm used to all you religious people with <clears throat> exactly. your hypocrisy. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly my problem is that it makes Christians look bad and it gives you the whole, uh, well, yeah, of course he's this It reinforces asshole. a it negative reinforces stereotype. And, and I'm like, that's not how, one, that's not how all Christians are. And two, if they are that way, I, I don't like them either. Well, to be fair, I do understand that Mr. <clears throat> Clement Clark Moore was around in the 1800s. So I am trying not to judge my 21st century Christians by my 19th century yeah, uh, but author. I have problems with 20th, 21st century oh, yeah. Christians as well doing the same things. But I try to approach those on a case-by-case -case basis, sure. not a, oh, yeah, this has been going on since the dawn of time yeah um so you've obviously you've read twas the night before christmas oh um, yeah well i'm sure my mom read it to me first probably probably and so what's it like now i mean like 
<clears throat> Does this change your feelings on on the poem on the on the story? Not really. Although it is interesting to know that the dude who wrote it wrote so many other boring things. Boring things that nobody cared <laughs> that about. Nobody cared about. Um, honestly, what gets me about it is that it was written so long ago. Yeah, and I it, was thinking it was going to be like 1920s, legitimately, because that was like to me that's like. When I think of Christmas, old-timey Christmas, I think of, like, 1920s, maybe the 1910s, and, like, this this era where there was prosperity in America and Europe and people went out and enjoyed these festivities and Santa Claus really started becoming a bigger deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Coca-Cola took over and really, I mean... <laughs> Thank you, Coca-Cola, really, yeah. for defining Santa Claus for us. <laughs> um so I genuinely I'm I'm interested in the fact that this this story represents Santa Claus a hundred years before the what time you thought frame. It was. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be like somebody telling you that the Matrix came out in in nineteen fifty. That would blow my mind. It would blow everyone's mind because <laughs> it's a cinematic masterpiece. Side and note, I finally watched The Matrix this year. Like the original for the first time. <laughs> no, but back to Twas the Night no, Before Christmas. No, <laughs> no, Hannah. You've never watched The Matrix before this? All I knew about The Matrix was the backward spinny arm thing. That's it. That's it. Okay, so you're 20-something years old. I am. You've never, you had never seen The Matrix before. Did I, you watch just the first one or all of them? I watched the first one. <laughs> God, you're going to hate me so much. So Talon made me watch the first one. Uh-huh. And then like the next night we watched... I think the second one. Yeah. And I fell asleep halfway through it. That doesn't bother me at all. <laughs> oh, okay. I woke no. up during the credits and I yeah. pretended like I'd been awake the whole time. Oh, that was great. <laughs> that when was he, so good. Uh, he was like, when he fought. what'd you think, honey? And I was like, oh, it was so cool. Okay. Let's go back to the first one now. What did you think of the first one? Unpopular opinion. Oh. I really can't stand Keanu Reeves. Wow. All right. I know he's a nice guy and everybody like loves him loves him so i love him as a person i guess because i've heard great things about him what is wrong with his face what are you talking about he doesn't make any expressions yeah he's a robot is he a robot i mean i don't he's <laughs> he's a program in the matrix so i was just he's not supposed to move every time face. he was talking i couldn't focus on the dialogue because i was just like why doesn't any part of his face move when he talks trinity Trinity, you need to get <laughs> off of the roof. He has no expression. Yeah, he's Keanu Reeves. Uh, but it was it was a fine movie. I'm not, not I'm not really much of a sci-fi person, despite my love for our yeah, sci-fi flash say, fiction special. I thought you were a sci-fi. I'm person. I'm not a sci-fi person, so you know, The Matrix Meh. does not speak my love language. Wow. I had a lot of questions. I was like asking Talon questions nonstop throughout the whole movie. Yeah. He was like, you'll find out. You'll find out. <laughs> and then at the end, like I found out half of them. What was what was an outstanding question that you've got? Oh, gosh. Uh, just anything about like the aliens or whatever. They're not like, aliens. There's no aliens in the Matrix. There's no aliens? No. What were the things? What or, things? Or like the other race of the, the things that are like hooking them up to the machines or whatever. The robots. They're okay. Robots, aliens. It not the same thing. Okay. 
I had questions about the robots then. Okay, what questions do you have about the robots? It's a Christmas episode. Let's talk about the Matrix. <laughs> no, we've got to get back to the... <laughs> Everybody send me your Matrix thought pieces at the end of this episode. And We're going to do a whole episode on the Wachowski brothers just so that we could talk about the, the we'll matrix. do okay we can do a matrix episode they and wrote I, the matrix so they're writers they are so writers it, it works i'll rewatch the second one and the, th- the second third, third and then the fourth one's coming out the new next one. week this week and it's gonna be on hbo so yeah. i can watch it and you get to watch uh if we're gonna do a wachowski's brothers we're gonna t- we're gonna watch speed racer the live action speed racer what is speed racer oh <gasps> Oh, oh my god! Okay, twas the we're night. We're gonna have to do a like a reaction video, <laughs> and people can yell at us for talking through the whole thing. It'll be great. That's what the reaction part is. I agree, but apparently that's not what the people on YouTube want to see. Okay, so Matrix aside, uh, I totally agree. I now that you mention it, I am surprised that uh, a visit from Saint Nicholas holds up so well. Yeah. 200 years later. Yeah. It's almost next year is the 200 year anniversary. Damn. That's really cool. We should have done it. But yeah, like, we can talk about this all over again. We can. But like, reading it, it doesn't have a lot of those like weird old English words. Mm -hmm. I'm not a linguist or like a historian at all. So I'm not sure when old English went out of fashion. Pretty sure it was before they came to America. I don't know. Hey, maybe this the original version had like a lot of F's instead of S's or whatever the weird spellings were back in the day. Yeah. Bowl but no, like jelly. it's very understandable yeah. from a 21st century perspective. Especially as a poem. Yeah. Right? It could have been full of weird words that nobody understands anymore, but it's not. Tis not. Tis not. Twas not. <laughs> All right. Shall we take a, a brief intermission and... Uh, move on to the gift exchange portion? Yeah, sure. If you're you're ready to be off this this more guy. Do you have more to say about more? Oh, nice. Nice pickup on that one. Good. Uh <clears throat> No, I had literally no expectations of this guy. I did zero research. Um <laughs> I which has never happened before. I've always at least watched a YouTube video so I can sound smart. Um I could not have cared less about this guy. Um, I grew up reading the book, and it was literally the most boring part of Christmas to me. And I was like, hey, stop reading this book. I want to go to bed. I, I got to sleep so that Santa can show up. <laughs> I don't need to read a book about it. So that's like, never mind. I was going to make a comment. We should make every night like Christmas just so we can get kids to go to bed on time. But then they don't go to sleep. Uh, did you sleep? sleep? Did you sleep Christmas Eve? I think I did. I still have problems sleeping on Christmas Eve. Really? Yeah. I feel like we always stayed up so late on Christmas Eve that it was easy for me to fall asleep. Because we do Christmas Eve dinner. Like, that's our big one, not Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. So we always had family over until pretty late. Or we were at families pretty late. And then I would fall asleep and need to be carried out to the car. That yeah. sort of thing. And I, I think that's... That's the way it should have been for me. Like it was too much of a, we would we would like stay home and watch a movie and drink you know some eggnog, and we'd open up one gift. That was always the thing. Um, and then and that's like it's literally like an appetizer, and I'm 
not ready for bed. And they're like, okay, everyone go to sleep. And I'm like, I'm gonna go lay down in my bed and stress for the next eight hours. <laughs> I think maybe you were just a much more anxious child than me. Yeah, probably. Well, if my parents had taken me like out to go do stuff, and that would have tired, tired me. Tired it. That would have torn me out. <laughs> that sounds so really bad. That sounds so bad. Tear your kids out, people. <laughs> All right, everybody, make sure on Christmas Eve night you tore your kids out. Uh, yeah, no, I, I definitely, I still like, I, and I don't, I think it's more like. It's obviously, I'm 32 years old. It's not, I'm like, ooh, Santa Claus is coming. I'm going to get presents. It's more just like, I'm excited to see people. And I, and it's just the time of the year to enjoy the, we're listening to jazz right now. Just the, the quiet moments. And so on Christmas Eve night, I usually stay up pretty late and I'll read a book uh, or, you know, chat with people about stuff. Cause it's just, I don't know. There's something about it. There's something about the air. I, I've always liked Christmas best of all the holidays and Christmas Eve specifically, just because I grew up with Christmas Eve being the big deal right. night. Yeah. So yeah, it is very nice. I think I definitely always woke up early on Christmas morning, like before everybody else when sure. I was a kid, and I would go like sneak a peek around the hallway to like see what was under the tree. Yeah. Because uh, Santa didn't wrap the Santa presents; they were out in the open so you could see oh really so i'd like sneak a peek and be like oh my god i want everybody to wake up so i can go play yeah. with my presents yeah but yeah see we beck and i have been talking a lot about that recently about what santa's gonna do yeah like how santa's gonna work in our home obviously it's christmas we're about to have a kid and her question is you know do you want santa to be a thing and yeah, I do. I want my kid to have that. I go back and forth, to be honest. I want my kid to have a sensation of magic during this this time, you know, especially when they're young. It's fun. I also have a problem, and this maybe is just like overthinking things, but I have a problem with the idea of telling my child about this magical, magical person who has come to do all these great things for us uh and jesus and then at a certain age we go yeah but he's not real so stop <laughs> believing in him and then my kid goes okay if santa's not real oh then what about this other guy during the holidays that comes and does great things mm. and we're supposed to be celebrating him is he real or are they lying to me about this guy too <laughs> and it's just another level of lies that they're gonna reveal yeah. And so, like, there's a part of me that's like, I don't know if I want to lie to my kid because it is important to me that they know that this is what I believe. But at the same time, I'm going to tell my children that there are monsters under their bed so that I can fuck with them. <laughs> okay, you might be in the clear then. So, like, I I think that there's going I think that there's going to be a point where they go, okay, dad messes with us so much we can't trust everything he says but this jesus thing that he's been talking about our whole life he if this is a lie this is the long con <laughs> so yeah i think you'll be okay with that yeah, one yeah yeah um so we'll see how it goes but uh rebecca specifically is more like hey i don't 
I don't want Santa Claus getting the credit for the shit that <laughs> I'm getting for our kids. And I totally get that because you put Santa's name on everything and the kids are like, great, thanks, Santa. No, and you, then they're you like, split it up. That's, my, that's my what I said. split it. They did like half and half. Well, and I was even like, what if it was like one gift from Santa? The rest are all from us, but one gift is from Santa. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that's, that be cool. that's a fun thing. It's like the, the Santa gift. And she's like, yeah, but then it can't be the biggest gift because I want the credit for the biggest gift. Our biggest gift was usually the Santa gift. Yeah. Yeah. Mine too. I didn't, so. I mean, I didn't think anything negative about my parents though. So. Yeah. Right. Cause you, you might don't, be overthinking it a little bit. I think that she is, she does that. I think that my dad did a really good job when we were younger. Uh, he would do this thing where he'd be like, Hey, I need you guys to go into the bedroom because Santa's going to come and I have to tell them what you guys want. So hurry up and do your list give it to me you guys hang out in the bedroom do not if you come out he won't give you what you want so then we would be like ears up against the door and we'd hear him doing oh hey santa how's it going oh, 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 oh my god tony how are you my friend and like they'd go and that's have these, where you get the voice yeah these conversations and so we knew that our dad was like a was helping us on, he was on our side getting us to Santa. That's pretty smart. Um, so I 100% will be doing that. And that was like pre-Christmas? Oh, yeah. That okay. was that was probably like, honestly, that was probably like Thanksgiving weekend he would do that. Man, he was playing the long con. Yeah, he wanted to know what we wanted for Christmas. That was brilliant. <laughs> All right, gift exchange time. I need you to go first. You need I, me I to want go? you to open mine first because you always have... A way better present, so... I don't think that's going to happen this year. You don't think that's going to happen? Well, you already have a better bag that I wasn't supposed to the look at, apparently. The bag is majority of the present. Oh, okay. Well, I can live with that. <laughs> I didn't even write your name on it, because I was like, if I if I don't write her name on it, she can reuse this bag. I'm reusing this bag. Oh, okay. From the Lambert family bag stash. You guys have a bag stash? Yeah, my mom's like a hardcore old school environmentalist, so she always saved, like, she used to save wrapping paper. So, she doesn't do that so anymore. So really, this gift is from Mama Lambert. The bag is from Mama Lambert. Okay. Here you go. All right, thanks, Mama Lambert, for the bag. <laughs> and while you're opening it, I will say, um... I am very behind on all of my Christmas presents. Yours was the first one that I got out of the way. You got out of the way? Yeah. That's the meanest thing someone's ever said about that's my kids. That's the Christmas spirit. Can I do this? Am I allowed to do this? Yeah, I don't, there's nothing in there to eat, but sure. Oh, well, I'm wearing this. <laughs> it looks as like a, a red lobster pin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's see. Ooh, <laughs> I already got a peek of some stuff. Okay, I gotta, I gotta look at this. This is so dope! <laughs> Hannah! So in tradition from last year where Hannah made me the dopest Frank Herbert uh, <laughs> on one side and Dune on the other side uh, Christmas tree ornament, this year she's gone out of her way <laughs> to recreate uh, the cover to my anthology. And you even did the little loops and stuff from the Quillandia... It was uh, a challenge. I'm going to wait now. All right. This is so cool. I'm this. I'm deeply impressed because I was like, 
the artist that did the cover did such a good job and you just were like, oh, I could do that, but on wood. <laughs> I'm so glad because <laughs> I was trying to like keep with the author tradition and I was going through our authors that we talked about this year and none of them really stood out. And then I was like, wait, why don't I just do Tyler's anthology? Yeah, no, this is so cool. And just so you know, I do have Frank Herbert on my tree right now. Woohoo! So, yeah. You can add Quillandia to Quilandia's it. Quillandia's <laughs> going on there. If I get a new ornament from you for the rest of my life, I, you're going to have a very have a full tree. You can get a second tree for like your office or something that's yeah. just author ornaments. Yeah, that's great. I can sh- point to, to all the ones to my kids and tell them what they are. And then they have to listen to me on tangents about Frank Herbert. <laughs> and then three hours later, <laughs> yeah. they're like, okay, dad, it's time right, to go dad. to bed. <laughs> All right, dad. All right. And then oh, there's so many things in here. <laughs> okay. Do I need to read this? Do okay. I need to read this out loud? You don't necessarily have to. Oh, but it's pretty good. So I'm going to, I'm going to read it. Okay. Uh, so it's a notebook, and it's adorable because it's got whales all over it. That one's kind of creepy looking. He's looking at me with a side eye. May this notebook remind you of Herman Melville and the importance of not writing 1,000 pages when 300 to 500 would suffice. I love it. I saw that in the book nook, it's actually. Like, it's soft. It is soft. It's like a soft notebook. It's so soft. But yeah, I instantly thought of Herman Melville and you by association. That's great. I'm probably going to get um, a tattoo soon of a whale and a potted plant from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, okay. Yeah. And the potted plant says, not again. <laughs> That's one of the best scenes ever written. I love that notebook. I'm probably going to use it for Dungeons and Dragons. Perfect. Yeah. Better than Moby Dick. Or maybe maybe I'll try to contain all of my ideas for stories in here and expanded universe and all that. I don't think the notebook's big enough. No. <laughs> so uh, you've used some special wrapping paper. Here. I have. Uh, I've used the Between Lewis and Lovecraft wrapping paper you gave me last year sparingly because it's so precious. I don't want to use it yeah. too much. Cameron got mad at me because I wrapped a gift of his in it. And he said, why did you wrap my gift in this butcher's paper? <laughs> it's it's just butcher's paper with your guys' logo on it. Cameron does not appreciate the finer things. I feel like I'm going to try and keep this from ripping so that I can reuse a little bit. And we're just going to go back and forth with, with the same wrapping, wrapping paper. paper. <gasps> <gasps> no! Ah! Hannah! <laughs> this is so awesome! Uh, it is a onesie from a little bit of a boy. Um, and it's got the Lewis and Lovecraft uh, lion and uh, tentacles coming out of it, the, the colored version that I did. And it's soft and it's. He's gonna be the most styling baby in the world. He's gonna look pretty good. I'm gonna put some shades on him and take some pictures. And <laughs> uh, my wife is gonna get mad at me for doing some um, flash photography, but it's gonna be <laughs> well, dope. Well, he'll, he'll be wearing the shades. It's fine. You're right. It's mm-hmm. perfect. I don't know anything about babies. This is really cool. This is really cool. I'm really happy with this. Oh, I'm so glad. I can't. Now I can't wait for him to be born. That's just the so first baby onesie I've ever bought, by the way. So. Yeah. <laughs> How'd that feel? It was weird. Uh, actually, Talon was there when I got it in the mail, like oh, yeah? delivered, and he was like, "Who is that?" But like, what are you trying to tell me? And I was like, "No, no, no, no." Did that scare you? Don't a worry. Bit? Oh, so he was disappointed. <laughs> 
Did look, here's the thing, Talon. So women at the age of thirteen. <laughs> oh my god! I don't think he was listening for that was, part of no, the episode. And that's it. That that the bag is empty. So Mama Lambert can have that back. Mama Lambert. Okay, cool. She will appreciate that. Yeah. And now. Hold on, I got some tissue paper. Oh, okay, cool. Some wrapping paper. Mmm, <laughs> you're really uh obscuring the, the gift. Nailed it. Okay. <laughs> totally it did this on my own. So yeah, I figured the bag is part of the gift. Yeah. Because uh, you, you would use this bag. Well, when I walked into the studio, I saw this under the tree, and apparently I wasn't supposed to notice the one present under the tree. Yeah. Uh, but this bag is pretty legit. It's um, got the old school library checkout card mm-hmm. design with Which date is, due and borrower's name. It's your jam. You're all that about is, the library. I'm all about the library. Yeah. I am a cheapskate of the first degree. <laughs> I have been getting books, movies, CDs, everything from the library. There you go. Ooh. Okay, so I get a book, which is excellent, and it's called A History of Wild Places, and I have seen this at the book nook and been like, wow, that is a really freaking beautiful cover. Yeah. And wanted to read it. I basically walked around the book nook uh, and went, what book can I get for Hannah? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is by an organ author. I actually didn't know that. I had I know nothing about this book. That's pretty cool. I ended up talking to Kayla at the Book Nook for like a half an hour <laughs> about books and what I think that you would enjoy. I was like, she likes it when people are murdered. Um, <laughs> and that's about all I know, to be honest, as far as what she enjoys reading. Um, and so Kayla said that this was a great book and that it's very M. Night Shyamalan-y. Ooh, okay. So. I, yeah, I like the sound of it. And I'm thinking uh, Talon might need to read it too because it's about somebody who is hired by families to find missing people. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, oh. so I'm going to read it first, but then you can read it. Uh, and I couldn't just buy you just a book. So I, I mean, also I think you could have had to make sure you oh stayed my warm. God. Library card socks. I love these. I figured with the library card bag, you know, it's a whole theme. And then if you loan them out to someone, you can make sure you get them back. Yeah, I can, be, I can write their name. Like if, if Talon just comes over to borrow them. He's going to have to sign them out. Uh, Talon's feet are a lot bigger than mine, so you will not be borrowing these socks. I'm sorry. <laughs> They'll shrink. Are yeah. They are 77% cotton, so, so they will he shrink. he wears them, shrink them down. It's oh, totally fine. This is awesome. It's not going to degrade the look of them at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you won't be able to read the date due anymore. It'll just be all warped. <laughs> See, I think genuinely, I think that you won this year with gifts. I got you a book and socks. I mean... I love books and socks. You got something for my child. So it's not even a gift for you at this point. But it but it is a gift for me. Wait, do we have a baby name yet? There's several names. It won't happen until uh, he's born. You're going to look at him and be like, okay, you I'm look not. like this one? Rebecca. <laughs> I, this is a, it's not a bit. It's not a joke <laughs> at all. Like, legit, I, I would have chosen a name you, 10 years ago. You chose ago. a yeah, name. I chose plenty of names. Um, she says I have to, she has to look at the child's face and then she will tell me what the name is. 
And I said, that's frustrating and I hate it. And she said, well, you're not giving birth. And I said, <laughs> you're absolutely right. I love you. I'll go make you some food and then rub your feet. That was a really good call on your part. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I was allowed to come here. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Rebecca. I'm so sorry for the past eight months. Yeah, it's not. It'll be over funny. soon. If, uh, if you want someone to tell you the reality of being pregnant, Rebecca will do that. I mean, I've already gotten enough negative pregnant feedback. So Have you? Yeah, you're, you're, I, yeah, you're full up the on The women that. in my family are very transparent about how much pregnancy sucks. Yeah. There's none of that like, oh, I felt radiant bullshit. Right. It was like, no, it's, it's terrible. like this was awful. And also when my kid was born, I didn't immediately feel like, oh, you are my reason for living. I just kind of looked at it and was like, ooh, you ugly. <laughs> Not me, of course. Right. I'm no, sure my you, sister. She, yeah. Your the, mom was absolutely ready. Like this baby, <laughs> this is the one. We don't need to do this again. And then they did. And it again. then they did. Yeah. Because I was just so good. <laughs> um all right so fans if you have uh christmas gifts you want to send to us send them to <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll include our p.o box <laughs> i have a p.o box you can send them there you have a p.o box yeah wow you've really made it yeah i my agent told me i need, no <laughs> i do have a p.o box if you guys want to send us stuff you can i'm not this isn't a bit now if you want to send us something send it to p.o box 1143 Malino, Oregon. Wow. 97042. Malino has P.O. boxes? Yeah. Wild. And that way nobody knows where I live. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you still lived in Malino, they would, but. I definitely do not, <laughs> Hannah. <laughs> Just don't ruin this for me. <laughs> <laughs> All of Tyler's stalkers now know where to find you. They know where to go where I go like once a month <laughs> to check my PO box. <laughs> I feel like there was something else. Oh, we were supposed to talk about the year. Yeah, this has been a really good year. <laughs> Except for all of the Except shitty things. Except for all the year that we've had. Uh, what was your favorite episode we did? I mean, I always love the Halloween episode best. Okay, other it's than our special episodes, other than our two specials. Oh. That's what, such a good I question. should I should rephrase. What was your favorite Our topic or author that we talked about? Wait, you go first. Because my favorite mine's is always so the last easy. one. Mine's so easy. What was yours? Planet Narnia. Plan oh my god, that's like the first episode was, we did of this yeah, year, and it was it changed so much for me. Really? Yeah. Why? Um, I mean, I don't mean that in like a sarcastic way. I mean, like, why? The why? <laughs> um, the. I think the a big problem that I've had for a long time is people talk about, oh, C.S. Lewis versus Tolkien. You know, Tolkien's mm -hmm. world is so much deeper and filled with, with so much more rich history and stuff. It's it's just better fantasy in general. Um, and I've, I've never been able to really come back to that and go, well, you know, you're wrong. <laughs> um, but I always felt like, you know, Narnia is kind of looked at as this kid's story. Um, and, and then we just leave it there, right? It's almost like an introduction to fantasy. Um, and then, and then the whole like, oh, but you know, it's obviously it's Christian, you know? So like, that's always bothered me. Cause it's like, yeah, but that's not like, yes, there are those influences, but as you saw in mm -hmm. the matrix recently, <laughs> that filters into a lot of stuff. 
You know, Neo is Jesus. Were you getting a Jesus vibe from Neo? Oh, you'll, says, you'll, yes, get a more, you'll get it more when you get to the third movie, trust oh, me. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, I fell asleep during that part. I I told Tyler earlier in the episode that I fell asleep halfway through the second second movie. And then during the credits, I woke up and I lied to you and pretended I was awake the whole time. You are notoriously good at randomly opening your eyes. I can sense Talon looking at me when yeah. I'm asleep on the couch. Um, but the the Planet Narnia stuff I really really dug into and enjoyed because it it validated a lot of the stuff that I had always felt the the weight of C.S. Lewis's writing um, through the Narnia stories. I've been able to enjoy C.S. Lewis from a different aspect from uh, mere Christianity and the Great Divorce and being able to um understand the weight of his mind where he thinks about something long enough and it's just it's just beautiful like mm-hmm. he can explain things so easily and so i've always had a problem of like why is narnia so lame when he is such a genius and so the planet narnia stuff like kind of validates that for me of like no there is more to it he put way more work into it than people really know so when you say narnia is so lame you mean like not uh profound enough not like a lame story because i like the narnia story no it's not a lame story yeah it's not profound it's not it doesn't have the weight that lord Mm. of the rings does in people's minds they go they look at the two and go yeah narnia is just a kid's book you know and lord of the rings is fucking lord of the rings you know like um and and like i've even watched tiktoks and stuff where i'll I'll even comment on them where one one person was like you know what i thought about the other day i was re-watching the narnia movies santa claus just shows up out of nowhere for no reason what the hell's that about and i was like Ah! I'll tell you what that's about. You don't understand. It means so much. Like it's such a big moment, but but it just flies over people's heads. Mm-hmm. So. Well, that makes sense if you didn't read Planet Narnia. Yeah, I know. Everything flew over my head before I read that, and now I still it still kind of flies over my head. But I'm like, I know there's something here. But you read the Narnia Code, which was I read kind the of, shortened you know, version. Yeah, and yes. so it, it kind of lined it out pretty yeah. easy, right? Yeah. So now I have a. Like a 25% deeper understanding of Narnia. Yeah. <laughs> More appreciation. Although I still feel like Tolkien was an asshole about C.S. Lewis. Like how like he, he was, wouldn't read his stuff. He wouldn't read the Narnia yeah. stuff? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, not a good friend. <laughs> not, not as bad a friend as Ernest Hemingway, but not a good friend. I feel like him and... They, he was a good I friend like in other avenues, friends, yeah. but that's like kind of a dick move. It's it like, was, okay, he read all of The Lord of the Rings. Like, you couldn't read a couple Narnia books. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's almost as bad as someone like writing a story and letting you start to read it. And then <laughs> as you start to get really into it, she just stops letting you read it. And so you're stuck wondering... Does Jake Johnson end up being the bad guy, or? I wonder who you're talking about. This is really strange. <laughs> That's next year's Christmas gift. I have to finish that you book. You finish the book ah. and put it in my hands. I already finished the book. The problem is I didn't like 
it after I finished it. My Christmas, I'm going to get you, I'm going to pay Paul Davis to edit your book for you. And then you can have it ready for me next year. Okay. No, I mean, don't do that. I can edit. No, I'm going to do it. I, the problem isn't editing. It's, it's, I don't like the story. I feel like it was Paul's a Paul's a great down. editor. He'll help you, he'll help you get it all fleshed out. Paul, help me choose a better murderer. I don't like the one I went with. He'll do it. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Paul's the best. <laughs> Paul, help me. I need help. All right. Let's get it. Okay. My favorite. Ep- oh, God. It's so hard because you just had all of that about Planet Narnia and mine is not nearly that meaningful. That's why I told you to go first. But. I, I know. I think Stephen King was my favorite. Really? Because I am much more of a contemporary fiction fan. Mm-hmm. So that's one where like I got to see the, the, the start of someone's career and it's not done yet obviously but like I feel like no offense Stephen King you're past your heyday <laughs> you don't like his new stuff you don't like don't the stuff that comes anybody... out once a year every year now yeah I don't I feel like his new stuff is not as critically acclaimed which isn't everything but I feel like Stephen King in like the 80s 70s to 80s mm-hmm, was like the prime era. the cocaine era <laughs> Don't do drugs, kids. But the cocaine era was like premier Stephen King. <laughs> so from that perspective, like getting to see someone who is a little bit more relatable in the sense of like they're not from the 1800s or yeah. even the early 1900s. Like you can kind of relate to their life and their struggles and their seeing how he balanced like the family dynamics and fame in a time where like authors could have like stalkers and people show up at their house. Whereas like... Like you did, uh, like you showed up at his house while you were. In I know. <laughs> My sister literally like rattled the bar, the fence, no, and she started yelling, "Steven, Steven!" No, what? <laughs> yep. And we saw like a gardener drive through his driveway or something, and Steve, Alice was like, "I'll distract them. You run in." <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> "Like they're not even home, probably." But whatever. But yeah, I mean, like Tolkien kind of had some of that experience because I think toward. Like after Lord of the Rings came out, uh, people started like calling him or something. Yeah, and- there, he would get calls from America. Yeah, in it was like two a.m. in England. Yeah, and they're like, oh hey, is this J.R.R. Tolkien? But you know, Stephen King had the thing where like Tabitha literally got cornered by a dude in their house mm-hmm. when he was gone. So I feel like. I really liked that one because it was an author who had I'd already read and like watched a lot of the movie adaptation. So it was someone I could kind of like that I already knew of as a fan. Mm-hmm. So and you had uh, a great sermon in the first Stephen King part. part Talking one. about him and his wife. Yeah. 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 That was a great. To- that was a probably top five Tyler sermon. Top moment. five. Yeah. What's the number one? I don't want to know. Okay. I'll. We'll have to come up with a list. Devani, get at us in the comments. She probably could, but yeah. I think everybody really liked that sermon. <laughs> I was just like, we got, yeah, we got a lot of. I mean, we got, yeah, the we email. got the email. I got lots of people saying how much they liked it. So, um, <clears throat> I think it might be. I think it might be the number one. Um, for me, the number one is always going to be when we were on with uh, uh, Best Friends Playbook talking about Handmaid's Tale, and I was like. Uh, this is not Christianity. <laughs> and I went off about how incredibly wrong all of this was c- to compare it to Christianity. That was a big moment for me. So, Oh, I, I, I will admit I don't vividly remember that That's, sermon. Yeah. But I also uh, have issues with anybody who tries to compare Handmaid's Tale to Christianity. Yeah, it was. So it just feels like a cheap shot. Yeah. 
Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> the the biggest one was when somebody was like, "This is what it's like when you let Christians run the, com- oh the country." Oh my god! I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. This is not it. Um, yeah. Did you read a book that you really enjoyed this year? I did. Yeah. Uh, it actually was a Megan Waterman recommendation from ages ago, and Classic. I finally got it from the library. <laughs> Because um, I don't buy books by authors I haven't read before. Mm-hmm. That's kind of I, I, I very uh, precisely choose my books, and it has to be from an author I trust. So I waited for this one to come in from the library. I was like number seventy when I put it on hold. It was the Invisible Life of Addie Larue. Right. Yeah. It was V. E. Schwab. Schwab. It is such a good book. It's like uh, fantasy slash historical fiction slash a little bit of romance and it's just beautifully written um and it is uh it i i went in and i actually saw megan today at the book nook and i was like that book wrecked me (laughs) i was not (laughs) expecting it to and then all of a sudden it was a saturday afternoon and i was like reading finishing it and i was just crying on the couch so uh, i highly highly recommend that book to anyone who likes fantasy slash historical fiction slash um, it's just a good book like it's not easy to put into one genre alright yeah, it, yeah but it's a beautiful beautiful book uh, I'm I'm trying to look at um, my books right now do you keep track of them on something like a list or on libro.fm oh cause all of yours are audiobooks yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to look at ones that I read not for the show. I tried to read, I tried to read a book called From Dude to Dad. Uh, for some parenting advice? Yeah. It was a terrible, terrible book to try and read. Um, <laughs> like just, terrible advice or? Well, it was just like the dude was so, trying so hard to hit a voice for a specific. Like millennials? Yeah. Like for like dudes, for like. I don't know how to describe, you know, like bros. And he's like, <laughs> guess what, dudes? Your chick's boobs are no longer for you. Your baby's going to be sucking on those titties more than you will. And I'm like, so this Gross. is a not for me book. Like, <laughs> despite how ridiculous I am on this show. That's, you don't want to read that. <laughs> that's not, this is not how I always am. Like this, it happens like twice a month. That's it. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I get really tired of that. Um, I, man, I'm trying to find, I, I mean, I listened to Twilight, <laughs> uh, <laughs> changed my theories. world. What's that? <laughs> no, <laughs> it was great. <laughs> so good. You know, um, <clears throat> I didn't get to I didn't get to listen to a lot of books all the way through that um, that were just for fun. I've been listening to a ton of podcasts, especially like D and D podcasts, because of the Players Guild. I want to see other people and support them. Um, so I'm still a good person. Um, <laughs> I did start Elantris by Brandon Sanderson. Okay. Um, and I'm only 25 percent of the way through that. Um, and I that that took a lot for me to do because Brandon Sanderson right now is like the number one fantasy writer. Really? Album. Oh yeah, yeah. If you ask anyone, like, who's, I'm anyone. Who's the who's the contemporary that's still alive right now? Number one fantasy writer. It's either gonna be I can guarantee it's either gonna be 
uh, Brandon Sanderson or Patrick Rothfuss? I was thinking Neil Gaiman, but okay. I'm talking like act, like fantasy, 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 fantasy. Not 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 Neil Gaiman fantasy. That's different. <laughs> He's a genre of his own. Yeah. Uh, so that that took a lot, and it was it's we've talked about stuff in our in our writers group uh, having gumbo when you like it's the the oh yeah you just the combination of all kinds of emotions the excitement and uh, jealousy and anger and fear and happiness and joy all those things mixed into one and Brandon Sanderson gives me the gumbo pretty hard um, because I want to be Brandon Sanderson I want to learn from Brandon Sanderson but I also hate the fact that he's so successful <laughs> um, and then I started reading uh, The Wise Man's Fear for Ratchet Rothfuss because it's the second book in the King Killer Chronicles or King something Chronicles. That That's it. Those are the only two that I've been like listening to for enjoyment. Wow. I did read, I take it back, I did read a book, like an actual physical book. A too. physical book? Yeah. Which one was that? Brian King. Keen. Keen. K-E-E-N. K-E-E-N. Um, he wrote, uh, he writes Lovecraftian type uh, dark um, sci-fi-ish sort of stuff. And he, mm-hmm. a friend recommended the book, um, The Darkness on the Edge of Town. I've not heard of that. Pretty interesting little little story. Little story? Yeah. Nice. Well, I'm proud of you for reading a physical book. Yeah. I also published a book. That's so. also that's actually I'm more proud of you for that than reading the the physical book. And there's more to come. Ooh. This next year. Next year. <laughs> Do you want to tease that now or when you return? The uh my project well you already kind of teased it on the last episode yeah i've, I've talked about it i'm pretty open about it um <clears throat> but i am very much making plans to start releasing um sometime in the new year um hopefully in the first half of the new year i can start releasing the short story series and i'm gonna be coming for you guys pretty hard because i i want reviews i want to make it happen make it do it Make it do it. I'm going to make it do it. I can make a review. Yeah. I'm thinking, and this is just me thinking out loud. So it's short story series. I'm thinking between like just doing the first episode and just, just that one or releasing three episodes at once. So there's like a backlog so people can binge. I like binging. But, but then the question becomes, do I ask people to review all three? How likely is it that I can get reviews just for the first one let alone all three right away hmm. that's a good question we'll have to offline about this because yeah. i'm not sure yeah so that's those are the things that i'm trying to figure out right now as far as like marketing and promotion and getting people to actually listen to it or not listen to it, read it um and possibly make some money doing it mm-hmm. so that i can quit my job and do this full time that'd be nice yeah. Now that you finally got to the point where you only slightly complain about your job? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag goals. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, yeah, we got to just thank everybody for listening to our show. Thanks, everyone, for submitting stories to our specials, our sci-fi special that Hannah did, which you did an awesome job, by the way. 
thank you. I was very nervous the whole time. Really? Yeah. Why? Because I had uh, big shoes to fill. No. I was like, this is going to be a disaster. Tyler's not producing it. I've got to figure out how to edit stuff and do sound effects and wrangle voice actors and writers. All you have to do is call Allie and she'll wrangle them for you. That's literally the only thing you have to do. It was great. She's going to start her um, Allie Fitzgerald vocal talent agency. Yes, she would be a great agency leader. I agree. Allie, get at us in the comments. Let us know when you start your agency. We've assigned her like three jobs in the past year. I know we have. It's been pretty big. It's been a big year for her. She can handle it. Vocals. There you go. Yeah. TM. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, thanks to everyone that submitted stories to the Halloween episode. Um, I I fully plan on doing a next another one next year. Hopefully, I can get on top of it and make it even bigger. And oh my god, we had rad. like a record number of stories I last had to time. Turn away some stories. Next year, it's going to be the same. Or I think we're going to limit it to 13. I think that that's a good number that's for Halloween. That's a great Halloween number. Yeah, 13 stories. I just just decided that right now. I, so. I support this executive decision. <laughs> uh, for you, you can you can accept 3.14 <laughs> stories for sci-fi. No, the Do episode you... will be 3.14 hours long. Oh, <laughs> nice. Have you decided whether it's going to actually be sci-fi again or God, it's going to be something else? No, I've been like t- waffling back and forth between like sci-fi, fantasy, maybe. So, you know, if you listeners or frequent like... Um, I think contributors, we'll have to put a poll out there at some point. We might be like, what are you guys feeling? Because I know a lot of our people like sci-fi. So Remember, it takes a lot of time beforehand. So if we, if you're planning on doing it in April again, like you got to get on that by like end of January. Yeah. So So I need to make a poll soon. Yeah. Figure out what people want to write. Because yeah. I kind of want to shake it up a little bit. But I know a lot of our, our people like to write sci-fi stuff. So It's a good one. It's a good one superheroes that's an idea yeah write your own superhero all i want is for kirby dyson to come back from the void that i sent her to (laughs) kirby dyson the sequel yeah i'm only gonna write kirby dyson for the sci-fi episodes oh okay it's just gonna continue her keep it going on hell yeah all right so i guess it sounds like (laughs) sci-fi it is um anything else anna been a good year and uh so we'll take january off and then i will be back in february with some guest hosts mm-hmm. uh, and then Tyler- I've, got, I've got two correspondence episodes so far if uh if you're interested in being a correspondence guest i'm happy to try and get a couple of, a couple more of those just to help fill some some time for hannah um <clears throat> i don't know when i'm gonna be back at this point um it could be you know could be May. Could be May. Yeah. He's gonna go be a dad, guys. I I'm not leaving the show. That's not it at all. I just want to <laughs> make sure I get. I want to make sure all of my projects are are fully ready for me to jump back into life and still be able to do all of them. Um, top of my list is between Lewis and Lovecraft. Um, I'm sure you say that to all your podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Frick. Top of my list is. Uh, and then yeah it's it's 
between Loose and Lovecraft, Players Guild, and then this new writing project that I've got going on. And I really, really want to make sure that those are, are fully ready to go. And that life is ready for me. <laughs> Get ready, life. Yeah. T. Clausen's coming at you. Coming at you hard. Nope. 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 No, that's not... You know what? Let's just cut to us reading the fun story, and that's how we're going to... Uh, before we go, and before we end the show with with the poem, um, you guys can follow us on Instagram, at Lewis and Lovecraft. You can go to our Facebook page, Lewis and Lovecraft. Um, Email us at lewisandlovecraft at gmail.com. Seriously, 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 go email us. Email us with your thoughts on this last year. Um, email us with short stories, flash fictions that you want us to read us want us to read for you in the coming year. Your thoughts on, you know, authors and things, ideas for next year's authors for when I do come back. Um, there's a lot that you guys can do right now to help us. And if if we um, if you guys send in enough reviews, I promise I'll come back for an episode to just read those reviews. <laughs> Uh, I thought you were going to end that at I promise I'll come back. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I shoot. promise I'll come back. That's Tyler's the only taking way the I'm podcast gonna, yeah. hostage. Yeah. No, I'll come back just to read some reviews and stuff. Just to, just to read what you guys think of our show. Uh, I'd, I'd enjoy doing that. If someone ca- calls Tyler Matt again, uh, if you want I'll do to, a bonus episode. If you episode. want to <laughs> insult me, just call me Matt. It's great. <laughs> Matt doesn't know what the <laughs> fuck he's talking about. I'm sure Matt doesn't. Um, so, uh, yeah. Um, so you guys can email us at lewisandlovecraft at gmail.com. You can go to our website, lewisandlovecraft.com. Um, yeah. What else can they do? Tell a friend. Tell a friend and subscribe. And review us. Tyler heard a rumor that Spotify Spotify, will let you review. If you're listening to us on Spotify, go check right now and write a review telling us that I'm either correct or wrong. Well, if they tell you that you're wrong, then you're also right. I don't care. Just go tell us that we're wrong and review the show. That's all I care about. (laughs) Roger. (laughs) Um, Podchaser. You can... can review our show on Podchaser. Um, you can go to Patreon if you want and subscribe to us there if you want to give us between $1 and $50 a month. <laughs> <laughs> or if you want to give us more, send it to that P.O. box Tyler mentioned earlier. Yeah, if you guys send gifts, I'll do another episode <laughs> where I just open gifts. It'll be an unboxing. <laughs> I would love to do an unboxing. I'm not going to pretend like I don't want to do that. I'll do. I'll do it. uh and with that guys i want to just say thank you so much for this last year thank you for hanging out with us and for uh, those of you that have reached out and commented and talked to us and encouraged us thank you so much um so we hope that in the new year you guys um find some comfort some peace hopefully things chill the fuck out and we can actually you know enjoy ourselves and you're asking for too much i know you realize that majority of this show has been done during the pandemic you realize that 100 percent of my relationship has been done during the pandemic with talent yes you pointed so i understood it but oh yeah other people <laughs> who listen to an audio program
Twas the night before Christmas, when all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, in hopes that St. Nicholas would soon be there. The children were nestled all snug in their beds, while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. And Mama, in her kerchief, and I in my cap, had just settled our brains for a long winter's nap. When out on the lawn there arose such a clatter, I sprang from my bed to see what was the matter. Away to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters and threw up the sash. The moon on the breast of the new-fallen snow gave a luster of midday to objects below. When what to my wandering eyes should appear but a miniature sleigh and eight tiny reindeer. With a little old driver so lively and quick, I knew in a moment he must be St. Nick. More rapid than eagles his coursers they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer and Vixen, on Comet, on Cupid, on Donner and Blitzen. To the top of the porch, to the top of the wall, now dash away, dash away, dash away all. As dry leaves that before the wild hurricane fly, when they met with an obstacle, mount to the sky. So up to the housetop, the coursers they flew, with the sleigh full of toys, and St. Nicholas too. And then, in a twinkling, I heard on the roof the prancing and pawing of each tiny hoof. As I drew in my head and was turning around, down the chimney St. Nicholas came with a bound. He was dressed all in fur, from his head to his foot, and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. A bundle of toys he had flung on his back, and he looked like a peddler just opening his pack. His eyes, how they twinkled, his dimples, how merry. His cheeks were like roses, his nose like a cherry. His droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow, and the beard on his chin was as white as the snow. The stump of a pipe he held tight in his teeth, and the smoke it encircled his head like a wreath. He had a broad face and a little round belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. He was chubby and plump and right jolly old elf, and I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work, and filled all the stockings, then turned with a jerk. And laying his finger aside of his nose, and giving a nod, up the chimney he rose. He sprang to his sleigh, to his team gave a whistle, and away they all flew like the down of a thistle. But I heard him exclaim, ere he drove out of sight, Happy Christmas to all, and to all a good night.